0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything, my name is Ono Sullivan, and today's guest on the show is someone who I've been looking forward to talking to for quite a while, it's Irish producer Dawy, who has been around for a good few years, I remember seeing him in the pavilion in Cork back in like 2011, maybe even earlier than that, maybe 2012, you know, these years, once, once you go back like further than 18 months, I'm kind of like, uh, when, when was that again? He released his debut album, In Flight, on Sony Records back in 2014. And since then, he's released uh, a couple of EPs. He's released the Tribes EP back in 2016, which has Mary Keane's introduction, which is probably his um, biggest song. It has, uh, at the time of speaking, at the time of looking, it has 650,000 plus plays on Spotify, which is pretty impressive. Uh, So that was in uh, 2016. He's since released the Holiday Home EP, featuring tracks like Falling For You An Aeroplane, which I really, really like. And he's just released uh, his new kind of double A-side single, uh, Take The Wheel, which is two tracks, Take The Wheel and In My Darkest Moments, uh, that also feature a remix by uh, producer Kobina, who's currently living in Amsterdam, I do believe, and then an edit of In My Darkest Moment, which is like yeah it's an over a seven minute long track uh the title song take the wheel features paul noonan from bell x1 on it so i thought it'd be good to chat with dahi and like check out what he's been up to what was involved in writing these songs he says that he went to france for five weeks uh last year and had this burst of creativity which has led to all of these tracks so it's really really interesting that echoes something that kathy Davy was saying on this podcast a few weeks ago as well she says that she takes two kind of five week spells off per year and goes away and does her like writing and com- coming up with all of these ideas so it sounds like that's kind of one one of the ways to go rather than you know a constant state of creativity i suppose but um anyway enough about me blathering on here thanks a lot for listening we're almost at episode 100 of the point of everything podcast can you believe it i can't uh it's been just over three years of uh doing the podcast so uh thanks a lot for listening along the way but um i guess i'll get sappy uh if if we reach episode 100 stay tuned to find out and also stay tuned to hear it's coming up right now Um, I I guess we'll just get straight into it. So uh, do you want to tell me the story behind the songs first? Uh, Yeah,
1: sure. Um, So... I have this kind of new body of work that I'm working on at the moment it's a kind of a quite a large selection of tracks um, and the first two were just released basically um, I went through a breakup about um, I'd say god it's like a year and a half now I guess and the relationship was for about five years um, and it kind of really knocked me for six I kind of wasn't expecting it at all and it kind of it, when it ended it was like really really kind of tough for me and it was kind of I've been extremely lucky in my life you know I'm like a, I'm a full time musician who's, <laughs> who's able to live full time playing music so I've been very lucky my entire life so I've never really had to deal with any kind of loss before and this one was just like really 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 tough for me and I just found it really interesting because um just the way that, it, that every single person goes through this when they get older, um, I think we tend to deal with it more and more. And really the recovery of that loss is kind of like a really, really interesting kind of way that you learn about yourself and you become more and more of a person the more you the more you do that, you know. Um, so when I was at the absolute kind of bottom rung, like the absolute bottom level where I was like really, really experiencing loss really, really heavily, I was writing all these kind of melodies and chords um, as a kind of therapy. Um, But I could never as soon as I wrote the chords, I was kind of writing them on a kind of little piano program on my on my computer, but I would never be able to turn them into music because I was just finding it too hard. It was almost kind of too personal and a bit too weird. It felt uncomfortable. But then slowly, as I kind of recovered more and more, um, I kind of realized that when I was um, building the kind of um, sounds Uh, built around the idea of recovery and how you come to terms with kind of loss and how you learn to deal with it and how you kind of come out the other end. I found that if I mixed those two together, I I could create this kind of music that I hadn't really created before. So what I did was I um, took October last year off Um, and went to France in the ferry with um, basically all my music gear fitted into the car, kind of rammed in. And I went to the middle of rural France in the middle of nowhere and spent a month completely signed out of everything, um, not in contact with anybody and just completely concentrating on music and nothing else. Um, And by the time I was finished, I had a a really, a fairly big collection of tracks that that I, like, I couldn't really believe how much I had written and the sound and stuff was like really, really different. It was really, really personal. And it kind of, a lot of it throughout the kind of the genres that I'd be associated with and kind of, it goes in all kind of different directions and stuff. And then from there, when I got back, I kind of realized that if I was going to work with vocalists, um, or people that I'd be working with, I felt that like, it would be a really good idea to get everybody who was working on it to, to, to base their creativity off their own loss and how they've recovered it from it. Um, and that's basically where the, where the project has now come from. It's kind of a mix of the music that I created based on my own loss mixed with um, all of the people who are working on the tracks um, and their loss and how they pulled it together. Um, and, and basically that's, um, that's, that's how it works really.
0: Have you found it quite cathartic, kind of like talking about it like this? You know that kind of loss that you went through. Is it kind of like I'm out the other side now? I'm
1: I'm all good with everything that's happened. Uh, I mean to be honest not really it's more than anything it's making me uncomfortable (laughs) Um, the the, the kind of the weird thing about it is that before this pretty much everything I wrote was based around kind of you know my surroundings like the culture around me where I was from um, and I never really kind of wrote anything that was very very personal you know that had anything really to do with me I think some of the reason was because I I guess I'm not even that interesting a person to base stuff (laughs) off. you know what I mean (laughs) like just like a white Irish dude who's like, everything's okay. There's not that much kind of interesting going on. So I basically based most of my music off kind of the the surroundings that had come before or whatever. And I think I probably have a bit of that kind of, Irish country mentality of you're not supposed to talk about yourself at all um so if anything it's it's been kind of uncomfortable and it's kind of scared the living daylights out of me really to be talking about it so much um but at the same time I I think that's kind of a good thing and and it also kind of stands to the recovery of the loss if you know (laughs) you know what I mean it's kind of like I probably wouldn't be able to have talked about it as much um before I kind of got over everything you know what I mean
0: yeah, I, I was reading an, uh, an interesting interview with uh, George Ezra in The Guardian at the mm. weekend. You know, he's he's got that really big song uh, of the summer. I can't think of the name of it at the moment, though. But um, he he, the person who was interviewing was kind of putting it to him that like, he kind of needs these conflicts uh, in life to actually be able to write music. You know, like some people, uh, you know, inspiration strikes, but then there's also that other thing where you need like a kind of a conflict in life. I don't know, mm. like... D- d- is that kind of where where you are at now? Or are you, were you kind of like just, geez, before you decided to go to France, were you like, man, what am I going to do with this next uh, release? What am I going to write about?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I, I kind of had a different idea of where I wanted to go next. And then when all of this stuff happened, it kind of it completely turned it in a completely different direction. Like I had a completely different idea and then I just had to throw that out because this was kind of so raw, you know. Um, I really can't believe the stuff that I came up with, really. It's some of the some of the best stuff that I always kind of write. Um, When it comes out the other end, I kind of look at it and I kind of go, um, I have no idea how I made that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I was like, I I have like, I have no idea how I would even start to make something like that. And that's, that's when I kind of have a sign that I'm kind of onto something special, you know. Most of the kind of the fairly major tracks that I've done, when I look back at them, I'm like, I have no idea how I actually came up with this stuff. Um so that's definitely that's definitely a kind of an element of this um and then yeah I mean I would kind of definitely agree with that that idea of conflict and stuff um I think I mean it's a constant thing to try and to try and care about the music that's 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 kind of always been a thing of mine that like It's always really, really important that you're not releasing anything because you think it's going to do well or whatever. You know, you're trying to like release stuff that you really, really care about. And, you know, even if it completely flops and literally nobody listens to it, you can still be really proud of this thing that you released. And and that was a kind of a that was a conclusion that I came to a good few years ago now. And it's been really, really helpful um, when being like a full time musician, you know.
0: Uh, can I can I push you on that a little bit and just say like what what was it that made you actually think like that that was was there something that you did that you didn't want to you were like oh, I can't really stand behind this
1: um, yeah I mean I guess um, so when I was younger I signed with Sony Music Ireland for a while. Um, And I was working on a kind of an album. Um, And I kind of, when I signed to Sony, I knew what I I had to do. I I basically knew what my job as a musician was, which was to create these like really, really proper pop tunes, you know, these like 330, like very perfectly crafted pop tunes. And like, that was my job at that time. And I, I, I really enjoyed it and I was really proud of the work. But when I came out the other end, I was playing these tracks live and I was kind of just going like... I was I was kind of playing them and going like I actually have no, (laughs) I don't care about these tracks at all. They have absolutely no kind of, um, they they have not that much of me in them. They're like these like really well crafted pop tunes, but they don't have anything of me in them. If you know what I mean. And the kind of I was going to quit music at that point because it just kind of wasn't really taken off, and I was I was just going to say, well look. That was a good run. Like, that was going to be great. And then, um, and then actually, the next thing that came out then was that, like, I, I left that record label and I said, I'll release one more EP. And the first track that I worked on was Mary Keane's Introduction. And, like, that moment where I kind of went, holy shit, like, I really care about this track. Like, I don't care that it's not, like, 3.30 minutes long. I don't care that, like, it's not, it won't really suit for radio. And then as soon as I put it out, of course, <laughs> typically, it's the thing that kind of, like, took off or whatever um so that was definitely like a turning point and that was like that moment where i kind of realized i was like okay i should be writing stuff that i care about that, 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 that like that like, i can stand behind as a person and that it reflects me you know and i think this new stuff is kind of a, a um a development of that i guess you know so is mary
0: Keane's introduction kind of the first track where you felt like uh, oh i'm actually putting like personal
1: stuff into the song Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I mean, I I had this thing where what my my kind of I guess my theme before that was always to try and mix like traditional music with dance music, which is so friggin difficult. Like it's because it just it becomes so cheesy so quickly, like you just become Cotton Eye Joe like immediately. Like so it's really, really (laughs) tough. So what I tried to do then from there, um, Mary Keane's introduction kind of made me realize that like it was I shouldn't be concentrating on the traditional music mixed with Mixed with um, electronic music. What I should be concentrating on is Irish culture mixed with Irish traditional music. That was like the... That was like the turning point there, you know, Um, and then from there, it was kind of it broadened out from not just like Irish culture, just kind of my surroundings or whatever, and that was how I kind of got into using like that kind of mantra that I got into kind of towards um, that EP Holiday Home, um, where the kind of the idea was that um, every single sample that I put into the music should have some sort of meaning and I should be able to pick up one sample in any track and explain where I got it from and why I put it in there. And that was, again, like another double down on that. And now like this new stuff is ridiculous because it's like it's got those two elements. It's kind of got this Irish thing, the the idea that every single sample I can explain. But then all of the samples then are most of them are like based around something that happened to me and how I dealt with it, which is like the, the extra add on that kind of that kind of to me really brings these up a level um, in my head and mean a lot more to me, if you know what I mean. So did did
0: you grow up uh playing traditional music?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was um I learned fiddle my my auntie taught me fiddle from when I was very very young. Um my family have a kind of a strong traditional Irish background. My uh my granddad's quite a well-known concertina player called Chris Stroney. He was in the Kilfenora Kelly band for a good few years. So kind of when we grew up it was just pretty much expected like you were just kind of like what's your instrument? What instrument are you going to play? <laughs> is basically it. there wasn't any there wasn't any question of it, you know. Uh
0: and like d- d- are you still able to play along with it? Like, do you still enjoy it, or is it kind of like oh, that was fun of us like ten years old? I'm I'm past that now. I'm done. Or is it still kind of like your default thing? You're like, I'll just I'll just put out this reel.
1: Yeah, like I mean, I, I like I, I still really really love traditional Irish music. But the simple fact is, is that like you have to be so dedicated to be really really good at traditional music. Like it's a, it's an incredible skill to be able to play like traditional Irish music really really well and it's it's this thing where you kind of have to continuously kind of explore that genre of music and to be honest I haven't explored that genre of music all that much I mean I can still play traditional music but I wouldn't say I'm very good at it um so it definitely it definitely has fallen by the wayside toward instead of like music production or whatever I do but I definitely have like I mean the Gloaming are one of my all-time favorite bands you know like I kind of have a really strong background in it and yeah I mean, if you're from the West of Ireland I think you kind of it just naturally happens to you anyway you know
0: uh and and so like when you're um packing for France and you're deciding like I'm going off all of the social media, I'm not gonna do anything like that like was did you find that really? Uh, difficult Like were you there Like your first night in France si- I'm sure Sipping on some lovely Local red wine And you're like ah, I w- w- wish I could pull up Twitter now
1: or something And just uh, Just show off Oh yeah Like I mean Like you know if you're If you're a modern musician Right like I'd say 30 to 40% Of your job Is making music And the rest is like social media like you know what I mean like so it's like it's a part of my life and I can't I can't get away from it to be honest like it's just like I would quit Facebook if I could but I can't because it's my my job you know um for me it was it was insane because I had never I had never like stopped done the like the detox thing or anything ever before and like for the first two days like I couldn't I couldn't believe it it was like I would pick up the phone I, I still had the apps on my phone but I just signed out of them so like I would go into the Twitter app um I would get as far as the Twitter app, I would realize that I'm signed out, and I go, "Oh, of course, I'm signed out." And then, as I was saying that in my head, I would go to the Facebook app, and then like I would see that I'm signed out of that, and I was like, "Sorry, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah." And then I'd be in the Instagram app before I'd even think about it, and I would cycle that. Like I, like the first day was ridiculous because I would sit looking at my phone, cycling through these signed out apps. It was it was really ridiculous. um And then after about like I'd say three days, that's when like that's when it, it started leaving me and kind of it was it was actually incredible it was really really good and i was it was one of the best things about it was that i could i just allowed myself to not use social networking for a month um and i had a reason to do it you know like if i if i just stopped using like stuff now it would make an effect on on my living you know so i I can't actually do it all the time but i will definitely be doing this again where i I take an entire month off and just disappear and just concentrate on music and nothing else because um it was it was incredible it was really really good do,
0: do you think that that's how you are going to work from now on, kind of like a month on, a month off sort of thing with uh, like creating
1: new music? Yeah, I think so. Like a Holiday Home, the EP before this one, um, was done like kind of uh, in kind of these like two week blocks in different islands off the coast of Ireland. And the two weeks was really, really good. But I kind of felt that like I, uh, that I, I couldn't get, um, that I basically, like I, I couldn't, um, uh, get enough done in those two weeks, so i 'd have to do like three or four of them spread out over time, and you 'd kind of pick up where you' left off and and there you you'd take a while to get kind of get back into it if you know what I mean. The month thing was really really good, and I mean I got more music out of that month than i than I would have gotten if I had done like li- little two week blocks if you know what I mean um so yeah I will definitely be i 'll definitely be aiming towards to do these kind of like month long um, escapes, <laughs> I guess, and um, working towards that. Now, to be fair, like I'm also like I, I kind of do after that, after that month, you know, I mean, the reason why it's taken so long to come out afterwards is because I've been just working with other artists like vocalists and stuff. And we got Ryan Vale into studios to record piano for all the stuff. And um, so there's like a lot of this, the collaboration stuff is is a bit different because I'm kind of going to different people and, and doing different studio sessions with them and stuff. But to get the bedrock of the stuff that we're working on, I will definitely be doing like these months at a time where I kind of I leave <laughs> I leave the, uh, the, the social network world and, and go writing for sure.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll come back to the idea of um, the collaboration, because that was something that I wanted to ask you about. But uh, you, you mentioned earlier that like you had this big burst of creativity and that you wrote all of these songs. Like you, You've put out uh, the EP, um, Take the Wheel, and that mm-hmm. follows uh, the Holiday Home EP a couple of uh, last year. Um, do, do you think that you'll do an album out of this or out of it? The- out of um, all of the songs that you have, or are you kind of like, I'm okay with EPs from now on, or standalone singles, like whenever
1: uh, I want to do it, rather than like this big uh, album release? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. It's a question that I'm asking myself, like at this very moment in the last while, like it's, it's, it's really hard to know. Basically, I have enough music in the bag right now to release like a full album, right? But like for me right now, um, it's really, really tricky to release an album because pretty much every single person I've talked to who's, who's been doing it feels like it's a waste of music because people tend to listen to the singles. Um, and then when you put out, especially, I mean, I guess, guess, especially in dance music, it's, it's kind of not fair to say for every single genre, but for dance music in particular, if you release an album, an album's worth of work, um, and maybe release like two or three singles in the build up or whatever. Um, I I find that like it's probably a waste of music. I mean, I even see in like the five tracks EPs that I've released before. It feels like I've wasted like one or two tracks and released the rest of them singles. So the route that I'm going right now is these ideas of like double A sides. So take the wheel is kind of paired with another track. So that there's two. So it's kind of almost like bite sized and I can do like an official video for one, a live video for another and then have maybe like a remix and maybe like an instrumental or a a club mix or something like that mixed in with them. And that way, like I will probably I mean, I think Calvin Harris did it at one point where he released like singles, like these groups of singles and then at the very end released it as a full album, maybe on vinyl or something like that. And that's that's the route that I'm thinking of right now. But to be honest, it's really subject to change. I've I've absolutely no idea. But this this body of work that I wrote wrote in France, there's like there's almost more than an album there, you know, which is which is really surprising. It's the first time that that I've kind of came out with that kind of idea, you know. And and so like you're not thinking of a physical release for uh, the new single uh no not in, not until i have like a couple of other um groups of tracks out as well but i, I definitely want to print a lot of this stuff to vinyl cuz i think it'll be really really important but um it won't be for uh, until it's maybe the start of next year or something i presume again completely subject to change i have no idea <laughs> yeah
0: i mean like that that's obviously from like your own personal view but i i presume that like you're you're still very much like an album guy like when i've heard mm-hmm. you on the no encore podcast talking about albums like recently i think you're on for like talking about uh john hopkins new one and the internet last week yeah both quite um you're pretty effusive in your praise about both of those albums like as pieces of work i think it's fair to say so is it something that like you you can still really really appreciate the art and like you can still find you know the the stuff that you feel people might be skipping over in your work you can see that in their work sort of thing
1: yeah for sure for sure and i mean to be to be honest like like as an out al- like this makes like the, the all the france stuff that i've put together it feels like an album because they all came from the one the one spot or the one moment in time if you know what i mean so they definitely feel like an album it's just more like uh, it just feels like like all the work that i would put into like to releasing a full album without actually putting a lot of stuff out in the interim would feel like a waste of time to me, which is kind of really sad, I guess. <laughs> and like I can tell, like, I mean, I think John Hopkins is definitely like an album artist, which I really, really love. So, it, I mean, it, obviously it is doable and there is obviously exceptions to the rule and stuff. But for me, I think what I'll probably do is I'll release a lot of double A size and then at the very end call it an album at the very end. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just really hard to know. Uh, the The other thing is that, you know, I mean, yes, I'm a solo artist and I do this full time and stuff, but I really have to think about how, how I get the most out of all of this music and, and, and how I can possibly <laughs> keep a living if you know what I mean. So there's a lot of kind of weird, like business decisions that I have to make that probably might get in the way of like a full, like just an album, just being sent out kind of straight away. You know what I mean? You kind of have to think about it and, and introduce the ideas to people in a kind of a, in a bite-sized way, I think you know.
0: Yeah, that that's what we're used to now in uh, mm-hmm. 2018. These really small, bite-sized things. Uh, so coming back to uh, the tracks, tell me how Paul Noonan got involved.
1: Yeah, I mean that was amazing. Like, so I've been a um, I've been a huge fan of Paul, and I like I mean since I was like God when I was like 14 or 15 in the gweil, like I remember listening to Bellex one. Like I was like hugely into them, um, and I was. I, I've been work, trying to work with this idea that like one of the one of the best things that we have in Ireland is this the singer songwriter um, kind of the the vocalist kind of work where, where people are kind of able to just create these incredible stories. Um, and generally it kind of works from an acoustic kind of point of view or something like that, you know. Um, but some of the best artists that we have are, are those type of artists. And at the very, very start of, of when I came back from France, I wrote this list of people that I would want to work with. Um and Paul was on the top of that list and I sent him like four or five tracks and just kind of went hey if you're into any of these and the theme and stuff I would love if you could come up with something and he sent me back this like so the Take the Wheel as a track was like a like an interlude between two other tracks basically so it was only like a minute long and it was just like this build up into In My Darkest Moments which is the second track um and Paul kind of just said like this one's really good but just give me one sec and then he he wrote like he wrote this, a full song from start to finish. But basically every time the song would end, he would just rewind the song back and start it again and just sing it again. And so he was just like, you need to make this longer so we can turn this into an actual song. And then from there, like he had just written this incredible thing. And I was like waiting for those moments. Like Paul is really famous for these like he can turn an Irish phrase into something really cool. And like when I first got the demo back, I was just like waiting for this moment or whatever. And then he goes, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. I was like, yes, yes. And it was like amazing for me. And then uh, and then we went to his studio in Dublin um, and he has this like beautiful piano that he kind of works off um, and we actually recorded that piano for the track and that's where the where the second half of the track comes in that piano was recorded in Paul's studio and the live video actually has the exact same piano as well. Um, But uh, yeah and it was just it was just really really good working with him and it, it took all of like you know two or three days kind of working together and that was pretty much it you know he um he absolutely nailed it and like he really really got the idea as well it was really interesting because he was like looking at the elements of the tracks and uh if you listen to take the wheel there's like this this synth that comes up that's like a helicopter kind of sound and he like I didn't think of it as a helicopter I was just thinking of it as a as an LFO synth (laughs) but he was he was like yeah that helicopter synth and then that's what caused him to think about like um this idea in world war ii where the planes are flying over and dropping these leaflets telling everyone that everything was going to be okay these kind of like leaflets of hope or whatever and that's that's what he based the song off you know um so yeah it's been great yeah oh yeah you're oh you're gonna be working with the talos lads as all well. yeah so i'm, I'm working on, on a live band kind of project at the moment as well it's basically it's myself um sinéad white uh and then we have two drummers and a guitarist and then elaine may also comes on and plays uh play synth as well and it's this really interesting kind of setup um where it's kind of like a usually my live shows are based around this kind of improvised setup where i'm kind of working off the crowd as much as possible and i can turn one song into two ten 10 minutes instead of two minutes um and coming into a live band thing is much trickier because i'm trying to figure out how to kind of um work with a large group of musicians and still keep that kind of um that uh you know the kind of the uh, the Uh, improv nature so basically I have this setup where I have everybody um, with in-ears and if I want to kind of get the band to come come down into a kind of a quieter area I can send a note to their ears and that signifies to them to kind of come down or if I want to start building up to a big kind of crescendo I can send another note and we have all these different notes that send different messages to everybody so everybody's on the same page and they can just build up and build back down again so you're kind of working almost like as a a kind of a conductor you know Um, but it's been really really amazing and we've kind of the the main thing that we've been doing is um is uh working off um uh, that whole area but the, the main thing anyway is is that we've done we've done three shows so far one of the bigger ones is is Body and Soul um which we did a while ago and that was in the middle of the day and it was it was incredible there was so many people there it was really really exciting um, and then the next one that we're doing is um Electric Picnic so we're closing out the Body and Soul stage um at like something like 3 a.m in the morning on the Sunday um which for me has been like always like the really the really really big gig that I've always wanted to do, it's it's a, a huge honour to be kind of given it, you know, because it's a, it's kind of a, a massive deal in Ireland, I think, you know.
0: it's It sounds like you're really kind of challenging yourselves with, with yourself with all of these different things that you're doing, like, you know, changing the way that you write music, changing the live setup and I, I did find... That one of the most interesting things about um, that song, "Take the Wheel," the new single, is that you said that it's the first song that you've done without a drum sample or percussion or percussion sample. It sounds like it's just another challenge that you're kind of setting yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really interesting. Like w- when I went back into the project file there a while ago, I saw that there was. There was drums there, like when i when I first did that track, like there's actually drums in the project file, um and they sound rubbish, of course, like it just doesn't make sense to me anymore, but like uh it's really strange, like because when I wrote it, I was just it just naturally felt like this track didn't really need. Um, drums at all. Like Take the Wheel is a really interesting one because it it started out as this intro and what it was soundtracking was when I, at the end of that relationship that I was in, I had to do that really like cliche thing where we met in a car park and I like handed over the rest of her stuff that was in my apartment you know, and it was this like it was like this filmic, like really, really weird, like, you know, I got out of the car almost in like slow motion and picked up the box. The way That's the way I'm picturing it in my head, you know, and then like walked over and we gave each other a hug and like it's the last kind of ending thing. And uh, like, you know, I said something like, you know, if there's anything that you need and I, like when I look back on the actual project file, the original demo name of the track, this minute long track was called Anything You Need, you know. Um, so it's actually like soundtracking this moment at the end of the relationship or whatever. Um, and it just... It just naturally felt like it didn't need any drums and it's just this natural thing. So I kind of wasn't really thinking about it at the time. Um, And now I'm kind of looking back on it and I'm going like, well, on paper, if I was if I was doing, say, what I did before, where I'm like, you know I'm like okay well you know we need like a radio thing like it needs to have drums and it needs to be this long or whatever um I would never have been able to make this track but because it's all based on my kind of own emotion and stuff there's a lot of things there that I was able to throw out um and just basically concentrate on the emotion more than anything else you know which which is really great you know I'm I'm pretty proud of it you know
0: Oh, yeah. And, and rightly you should. It sounds like, it, as with Mary Keen, Mary Keane's introduction, it just sounds like, yeah, this new sound that you're kind of adding to your whole oeuvre, you know? And it's just like, yeah, really pushing yourself, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but, it's, it's, it's strange as well, because, I, I mean, I, I kind of always... I, I don't know, there was there was a kind of a, a thought that I had in my mind as well, where when I came back out of France, I was looking at these and kind of going, well, these don't really sound like a Dahi thing at all. Like, should I be doing like a side project or something like that for these? But um, the more I kind of thought about it, the more I kind of liked the idea that like the, the Dahi name should be like, I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want with it, because it's very much me, you know? Um, yeah. so like that was a, that was a kind of a decision that I made as well. You know, I could probably, but I probably could have done that like ages ago as well, you know, but I think, I think it's important to keep it as the name and stuff and for people to relate to it in that way, you know, which is important.
0: Uh,
1: I, I guess we've
0: spent so much time talking about Take the Wheel. We, we should mention the, the kind of the other side of that single, In My Darkest Moments, which you recorded mm. with a guy called The Say, who I don't really, I don't think that I have heard of before.
1: Uh, it's it's a girl yeah it's a uh, oh, stace gill is her name um so she she uh she worked under another name that i can't remember at the moment but she's she's working on new stuff right now and is going to be releasing stuff at the end of the year but um stace i actually met um i'm good friends friends with talos um obviously and she was doing backing vocals for talos at one point um and that's how i met her um and she was incredible as well i mean she she totally nailed this very stripped back kind of very strong like um vocal melody to go over quite a heavy techno tune um I mean in my darkest moments is, is completely based around the the kind of the idea where after a relationship you 're kind of you're blaming yourself and you're kind of going, Oh, why did I do this thing? Or why did I do that thing? Or why am I in the wrong here? And you're kind of getting more and more frustrated. And that's where, that's where in my darkest moments definitely came from. Um, it's interesting. Like, I'm, I've, I've just gotten back, um, the official video for that. Um, and it's a humdinger. It's amazing. It's really, really good. Um, and I'm really, really excited to get that out now. I just got that last night in the middle of the night. We got it graded and everything. Um, we filmed it in in Ballyvon, in my hometown, and all are kind of around North Clare, but, um, yeah super super excited to be doing that now as well um and that track goes off live like jesus we've we've been testing that out now for the last while with the live band and people go absolutely nuts for it so uh yeah that's that's the complete opposite which is good They, they they work off each other in a really weird way you know and and does take the wheel take on a new
0: life um live as well or have you kind of had a chance to to play around with it
1: it's been really, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, I haven't actually played it live yet and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to do it <laughs> um, because of course it doesn't have any beats and stuff, but like I, like, I have a couple of different options. I mean, I was going to use it as this kind of opening, like really powerful opener before we get into stuff. But but then I've also, I mean, this week, and here's, here's an exclusive, <laughs> this week it's been in my head that I'm pretty sure that Mary Keane's introduction and Take the Wheel are in the same key. So I might try and do this like weird thing where the Mary Keane's lines are coming in at the end of Take the Wheel and building up into the top part of Take the Wheel. That's that. i sorry, building up to the top part of Mary Keane's introduction, like the drop. Um, so that's how my mind is at the moment, <laughs> I'm, like trying to meld tracks together to figure out where they work or whatever. But uh, I think I mean, it's having enough of a reaction with people that I definitely think I'm going to have to put it in there somewhere. Um with the live band, it'd be interesting to hear Sinead sing it as well. Sinead's been singing some other people's vocals as well. And she's like, she really puts her own, own mark on it. So I'd be really interested to see if she would work with that as well, you know.
0: Exciting times. Uh, so you're going to be headlining the Body and Soul stage at Electric Picnic on a Sunday, which will be amazing, I'm sure. Mm. And w- what are the plans then for the rest of the year? Do you, do you think you've got another uh, release in you before uh, 2019?
1: yeah for sure for sure there's, there's so there's going to be another two tracks coming out definitely by the end of the year if not two other tracks as well um so i'm there's there's a good lot to come still um and i'm really really excited about them all as well i'm kind of they're the mixes are coming back as we speak and they're all becoming they're all coming back really really strong so um yeah i'm going to keep keep hammering away at it um hopefully they will be There'll be a, a large collection, say, by the by summer next year for sure anyway. But uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be a good few coming out still. I have a good few in the bag. <laughs> cool. Uh, I think that that's everything that I have for you anyway. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Big fan of the podcast.